Hi, everyone. Welcome to Potluck Food Talks. Today, we're going to talk about Asian supermarkets. So what's your, what are your thoughts on Asian supermarkets? Well, I mean, I love Asian supermarkets, you know? It's like being a kid in a toy store. It's, I feel like every time you go, you find something new. Yeah, man. And I actually, wherever I live, I always have like a go-to Asian supermarket. And it's always a special moment when I go there because it's usually when I want to cook something like in that flavor direction. And you usually end up buying more than what you just wanted because you always find like something that gives you ideas about doing something new. Yeah, yeah, totally. Like I often like kind of go for like one thing. I'm sort of like, oh, I need more sesame oil. And I stand in front of the aisle and I'm sort of like, what the fuck is this? You know, and then like you kind of look at it and you're like, what? Okay, I have to take it. I have to try it. And then you go along, you're trying to find the sesame oil and you're like, oh, what the, what is this? Like weird little fermented fish heads, uh, I'll take you, you know? It's uh, it's always really fun. I also remember as a kid, not only Asian supermarkets, like I grew up in Caracas. The Chinese food in Caracas for me is the best one I've tried in the world. Oh, wow. Of course, I haven't been in Asia, but I mean, even in New York, Europe, no question about, I haven't seen like a proper Chinese restaurant in, in Europe. Peru has good ones, but for me, the best one I've tried is in Venezuela. And it's also, it's something I really crave. And when I go back, I always go to like a good Chinese restaurants over there. And there is this neighborhood called El Bosque. And they had like this Chinese market. This wasn't like a supermarket. It was more like a, a market market where the, there were vendors also selling street food and also all kinds of condiments and ingredients. And I always have like, like good memories about it. Yeah, um, I heard that there's like lots of Chinese expats living in like Latin America. I noticed like whole subcultures in like South America, right? Yeah, la, like, uh, well, in Peru, they have the, their own, you know, like Chinese cuisine that is called chifa or chaufa. Uh, I've, I've heard both ways of, of naming it. And there is like this Chinatown in Lima that, that it's quite big. And, and it's like, it's like really a Chinatown. Everybody is uh, Chinese inside there. In Venezuela, uh, as I mentioned, I grew up and there, there were always like uh, a Chinese community in Caracas. And also in, in every, every other city, there was always like a Chinese restaurant. And it was mostly Cantonese. But of course, with the whole political thing in Venezuela, that this socialism and they became like very strong allies with China, this has become times 20. Now you go to Venezuela and there are like Chinese that are moved like only 15 years ago and they already speak fluent Spanish. And it's like a complete new generation of, of Chinese, you know, like and, and a complete different thing. And you will see them uh, like in all kinds uh, of public works doing uh, like anything. But yeah, going back to the topic, Chinese supermarkets or Asian supermarkets for me is always super interesting and funny as well because I, I've been there with actual Asian people and they laugh about it. It's like, oh, <laughs> you don't name this like this or, and I, I guess it's the same. I've seen like, I don't know, what, what was it? In a supermarket in Germany, there was this mango juice. And it was called Mango Tango, you know, because tango is so Latin American and mango also. And it was like, yeah. no, man, no, this is so wrong. And so, like, <laughs> it's not like that. And I guess these kind of names, you will find the same in Asian, but we just don't notice it, you know? Yeah, for sure. For sure. It must be really weird, kind of like, you know, because also, I guess, like, what people want, 
you know, it's like totally different. Like for one Asian supermarkets obviously cater to the immigrated, you know, communities, but then also like to what the local people want to buy, I suppose. Do you have any standard go-to ingredients uh, that you find in a, that you buy in an Asian supermarket? Yeah, I have a couple of things that even if I have some at home, I see it, I kind of still have to buy it. I think my number one thing is, as I, I probably you will guess already because you know me a little bit, is uh, Lao Ganma, which is <laughs> this like brand of chili oil and like preserves. Um, it's got this like angry looking grandma on the front. And I think I'm pronouncing it right, Lao Ganma. And they have a range of stuff, but it's just like, it's usually things preserved in chili oil. And it's so addictive and so tasty that even if I still have like a whole jar at home, I might see one and just take it. Like my favorites are they have fermented black beans in chili oil with this like chili crisp. And that's super tasty because the black beans are like salty and funky and sweet and you have the crunchy chili and garlic and stuff. They also have like fermented tofu and kohlrabi in chili oil, which is also really nice, really weird. Oh, I haven't seen that one. Yeah, it's also really good. But I think the best one has to be the like crispy chili oil that and it just says like chicken flavor. And I don't know where the chicken flavor comes from. I mean, we know where the chicken flavor comes from. Comes from, you know, a little sprinkle of the good stuff. But um, it's just so tasty. You can put it on anything. Yeah, you introduced me to that one. And now it's like a new necessity I have. I can't live without having it like in my pantry. It's like a must. Yeah, it's dangerous because it's like, because I put it on everything, you know, I'll like make a fried egg and I'll put, you know, chili oil on it. I'll make like potato, Same. roast potatoes, I'll put the chili oil in it. Then everything, like after a while you look back at your week and you're like, man, every day I eat chili oil. It's not really good for you. My go-to ingredients are usually, well, of course, soy sauce. And I usually have like four or five types of soy sauce. Always like uh, one or two Japanese ones and the other ones uh, Chinese. I, lately, I've been buying one that also has like, it's like a mushroom soy sauce. Pretty good. Then all these fermented soybeans. My favorite one is one from a brand called Healthy Boy. Oh yeah, Healthy Boy. And that's the one we use. You remember to make this wok of Swiss chard, uh. this Sichuanese Swiss chard uh, that I got from... What's the name of this outdoor? Fuxia Dunlop. Fuxia Dunlop. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. She's pretty cool. Like her books have a way of translating Chinese cuisine to, to Western audiences. And I, I find it pretty interesting. For sure. Um, then what else? I usually get kimchi base. Oh, yeah. That's something I use a lot. That's really versatile also. Because you see the thing with like Asian supermarkets is that we don't have the like cultural background to know exactly what the things are used for, right? So I feel like often kind of when you find ingredients, you're more free in like using them. So you see like a sauce and you're kind of like, I have no idea what traditionally this is used for. So you taste it and you're like, oh, cool. This could be good for this or this could be good for that. Exactly. Like kimchi base, like it makes sense. We all know kimchi, but still you can use it for like marinating meats or, you know, like mixing it into a mayonnaise or something like that. It is super nice. Yeah, and that's exactly what I do. Like, like I, I would add that just a little bit to anything just to tune it up, you know? Yeah. Then there is the equipment section and uh, there you will find like woks, Chinese cleavers, chopsticks, cooking chopsticks, baskets to, to cook ramen, like all kinds of stuff that I 
also usually have at home. Also steaming baskets. Yeah, super useful. Like I, I go ham in the, the sort of place, like even like the spatulas, like usually have like little baskets with like spatulas and like spoons and stuff. And also like what I really like is like the ceramics, like the little bowls, you know, usually with the like really sort of like cheesy standard, like blue painting on it. But I love just having like a stack of those at home for like using as like little like mise en place containers kind of like when I'm cooking. But yeah, I also I have a huge thing for Chinese cleavers. I think Chinese cleaver is amazing. It's like difficult to use for me because I'm not a trained Chinese chef, but I find them like I just love them. Yeah, it's super cool. You have to change your mindset about using a knife because it's different. Like a pro Chinese chef can peel a garlic clove with, with those things. Yeah. And like to do that, you need to understand how to use it because it's not the same as a Western knife. Yeah, for sure. But like you see, the thing is that like often I feel like the stuff that they sell on display is not really the good stuff. And I experienced this one time when I was in London, where I was living there and uh, Chinatown, they had a huge row of like really great supermarkets, but like really, really good ones where you would find super top quality ingredients like, um, you know, Buddha's hand and different types of like ginger from Thailand and stuff like that. And it, it was great. And uh, one time I was cooking with a chef and he was really into Chinese food and he had this really beautiful Chinese cleaver. And I was like, oh, where did you get it? And he was like, oh, I just got it in Chinatown in this and this place. And I was like, oh, really? I have to check it out. He's like, yeah, but you have to go to the guy at the counter and you have to ask them for it because they had like five different types of Chinese cleavers on display. But when you ask the guy, he's got two more that are hidden, sort of like you have to un unlock it. Uh, they have one for slicing and one for chopping, right? And He was like, you can try to go there and like ask him about it, but he might not give it to you, you know? And so I went there and I asked the guy, he was sort of like, yeah, I'm looking for a Chinese cleaver. And he was like, yeah, yeah, we, Chinese cleavers over there. And I'm like, no, no, I mean like the, the, the nice ones. He's like, they're nice, they're nice, they're, they're super nice. Like, but, you know, trying, trying to get me into buying them. And I was like, man, I know you have them hidden. And then he started this whole argument with me. He was sort of like, you don't know how to use it. Like, why, why do you want to buy the nice cleaver? You don't know how to use it. Man, just. Just let me buy the knife, man. Like, I want to give you my money. <laughs> yeah, just let, just give it to me. I gave it to me in the end. I remember a long time ago when I was at culinary school, there was a, an article from Wiley Dufresne, you know, the chef from WD-50. Yeah. And he was talking about Chinese cleavers and how he started using them and also his team and how he started using it also to, to work with poultry. And that, that's also something difficult to to do, you know, to take the the, the dog breasts with that kind of thing oh, yeah. and, and doing it properly. I also remember in the the only three star restaurant where I worked, the head chef would do the fish also with a Chinese cleaver. Oh yeah, and I think that's that's pretty badass to to do fish with with that thing. It's really badass. Like it reminds me when I was in Japan and they were doing everything. They had these beautiful custom made Yanagi bars, which are like these like long one side bevel slicing knives, but they would just use them for everything. <laughs> At one point, this guy was like peeling radishes, like breakfast radishes. And he had this like 33 centimeter long knife, just kind of like peeling radishes. That's really badass. Also talking about the Asian supermarkets, it reminds me, one of the most creative and influential Latin American novelists of the last generations, uh, it's an Argentinian called Cesar Aira. And he usually writes only with small publishers. So his books are pretty hard to find, especially in Europe. But he has this novel called Marmol, 
And it's about a guy that enters an Asian supermarket and then he discovers like there's this whole conspiracy that this is actually like a, a headquarter for aliens and all the Asians are actually aliens. So it's like that. I mean, that, that sounds borderline <laughs> racist, but, but it sounds like... Exactly. It's a, it sounds kind of racist, I understand. But also like the, the symbology of it, I can understand it because usually when, when you go into an Asian supermarket, it's really something like from another planet. I mean, no offense, but, but I mean, it's, everything is completely different. The, the products, uh, the alphabet, like everything. So I kind of get it to make that game, you know, and at, at the end of the day, it's just a novel. Yeah, for sure. I also like, you know, I love the freezer section at Asian supermarkets, you know, because. Oh, yeah. Oh my yeah. God. Do you have any favorites there? Yeah. Like, I mean, I often, okay. So there's obviously different parts in the freezer section. There's the like ready-made <laughs> stuff, like gyozas and dumplings and shumai. I always get the frozen gyozas when I go to, to one of these places. I always stock up because it's so good. Like you can just like pop a steam basket on, throw some dumplings in there and like you're done. And, and like, you know, they get really, really delicious. Yeah. Yeah. But like also, you know, especially in Korean supermarkets the like frozen meat section is insane okay yeah it's like super nice quality beef and pork like sliced super perfectly with like really intense marbling and it's like often you get it like really really cheap like really beautiful pork belly because you know in korea they're like obsessed with pork belly and it's like already sliced i guess for like the the sort of grilling that they do because they have just like raw thin slices of pork belly that they grill from from raw which is also something that we don't do in the west like usually pork belly gets braised or, you know, steamed or something like that before you cook it. But yeah, that's always really, really good. And often when I'm at the supermarket there, I just take like five, six packets of meat and just have them in the freezer. There's also like the candy section where there, there are like these non-vegan candies that are like, I don't know, like pork or chicken skin. Oh yeah. But sweet, like in this kind of super delicious actually, but also something completely different from the West. You won't see any, you know, animals <laughs> made candies <laughs> yeah for sure I, I remember one thing that i saw um i think it was also in japan was this like squid candy where they take let's they make like beef jerky but sweet but with squid and it's like super super traditional you know it's like i mean more traditional but it's like really popular and it's just like a snack that you get like cuttlefish candy that's pretty cool i usually also get sushi rice or korean rice these kind of things yeah for sure i mean i was when i was a uh, an apprentice i I lived of a, I was so poor at one point, I just went to an Asian supermarket and bought a 20 kilo bag of sushi rice and just lived off that for like a month because the bag was like, I don't know, it was like 30 quid or something. And I just had no money and I just needed something to eat. You know, since the last time that we had like the sushi episode and you asked me, do you ever make sushi at home? And I had like a sushi rice. So I started like, you know, doing just like some sushi rice with some nori leaves and putting whatever on top, just... As you would do like a, a sandwich, you know, like, like something really routinary, uh, just to have like a, a quick snack. And it's actually pretty cool to to do that. Yeah, totally. Like I think I, I don't have it at the moment, but one of my next buys is definitely like a nice rice cooker, like a Japanese or Korean rice cooker, you know, because I think it's so nice. I saw it a lot in Japan where it, people would just make like a Donabe style rice pot, just like nice rice sometimes like a little bit like water that's like maybe seasoned or like very lightly 
and then just like seasonal ingredients into it and they just like cook into the rice. And then you have this like, for example, like edamame and anchovy rice. And it's just like super fresh and oh, nice. And really, really nice. Yeah. And it's just really homely kind of convenient cooking. What about the fresh section? I usually get there Chinese cabbage, bok choy, bok choy, those kind of things. Also mushrooms like shiitakes, enokis. I actually get whatever there is. There is also like this steam and stem salad. I don't know if you know what I mean. This thing that looks like a huge asparagus and, and tastes like a salad. If you would eat like the stem of the salad, quite nice. Oh, yeah. What else? Pandanus leaves, those kind of things. Have you been to Vinloy in, in, in Berlin, Wedding? Vinloy? No, I don't think so. That's a pretty big one, I remember. And they had like lots of things. Like it's in Wedding in Reinickendorf, if I'm not wrong. Oh, yeah. And like, cool. They've got one in Kurfürstendamm now. I, I'm just seeing now. So they've expanded. <laughs> <laughs> I think they had both already. I have to go there, actually, because I've been dying to go to the um, Asian supermarket, actually. They, you know, there used to be this huge, like, Vietnamese market outside of the city. Ah, that, that's pretty crazy. They, that they have that in Berlin. Exactly. It's like a huge market and it's all Vietnamese. Yeah. Like, I, I went there once. And, you know, when, when I've been like in Asian markets and other cities, it's usually all Chinese, but all Vietnamese is quite unusual, you know, like. Yeah, for sure. It, it burned down like a couple of years ago. Um, unfortunately, it was really sad because that was like an amazing place. It was like a big warehouse situation, you know, like roofed over. Yeah. And yeah, it's just like, it's like a, it's like a culinary wonderland. You know. Yeah, there's a huge Vietnamese community in, in Berlin. That's probably the reason why the only good Asian restaurants are Vietnamese, because everything else is not so good. That's true. I mean, like back in the day, it was like there was a real cult following of sort of like where you could get the best pho. You know, it's because everybody yeah. had an opinion of sort of like, I remember there was a good pho place like around where you were living in Neukölln, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. It was like a super non-pretentious place, but I would go there a lot, man. Yeah, I mean, it's a perfect food, you know, it's, it's super fresh, super nice. What about booze? Do you get any booze in Asian supermarkets? You know, not really booze. I mean, I get Shaoxing wine for cooking and stuff. Okay. Um, exactly. Or mirin or this kind of stuff or even sake, but to cook, not to drink. Yeah, I mean, mirin and sake for sure. Sometimes I also get it for drinking. Um, like, I mean, but I wouldn't, I usually don't get sake for drinking in an Asian supermarket. I, I would get it somewhere else. That's true. That's true. It's definitely a much better idea to get it from somewhere else because usually they only have the cheap stuff. But like I have a soft spot for Atskan, which is like hot sake. Okay. I think that's how you call it anyway, if I remember. Uh, but yeah, hot sake. And usually like you don't use the good quality sake for hot sake, but it's just very nice having hot sake. And I have like very fond memories of drinking hot sake. So sometimes I like buy a cheap bottle and just heat it up. What about this, this place that used to be in Oskroyd that was like a sake store? Does it still exist? You know what I'm talking about? Oh, I think I do. Was it like a little bar sort of thing? Like uh, Yeah, like a little store, super peaky with super nice stuff. It, wasn't it called like the sake, like sake trader or sake import or something like that? Something like that. And they had like just very high quality stuff. Sake Contour. What's the name? Sake Contour. Okay. There, there's also like... Uh, I know a few people making sake in Berlin as well. Oh, really? Yeah. Uh, one of them is this famous techno DJ. Actually, Xander, our producer, interviewed him for another podcast. What's the name of this guy? I don't remember. Like a super influential techno DJ. 
Yeah, I mean, it's like um, there's a few really interesting things going on in Berlin. There's this Japanese guy who does like traditional Japanese fermentation and he sells his products to like, I mean, basically all like the top restaurants in the city buy from him because he just makes like really proper stuff. Like he makes this buckwheat tamari, I think it is. And it's just like, it's not like the normal tamari that you like buy. It's like really light brown. Yeah, can you explain what tamari is for the audience? It's basically soy sauce. It's a it's a exactly. kind of a, t- a type of soy sauce, and usually it's sort of like sweeter and more intense. Usually, also gluten free, right? Tamari. Yes, you're absolutely right, Eric. Tamari is <laughs> gluten free. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, and so he makes he makes this with buckwheat, and it's really unusual because it's like very light in color and light in flavor also, but it's really like floral and salty and it's really delicious. Yeah. That's it for this week's episode of Potluck Food Talks. If you like what we're doing, make sure to subscribe to the podcast so you never miss an episode. You can also find us on Instagram and TikTok as Potluck Food Talks. The show airs every Monday.